This is the Pickle Planet Podcast with Jenna and Tosh. Sit back and get a drink. Let's talk about parenting and how to survive it. Hello and welcome back to the Pickle Planet Podcast. This is the second half of season two. We're getting here underway in January, back after a little bit of a break. I'm Jenna, one of your co-hosts, along with the lovely Tosh. Oh, hi. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you very much. And you may be listening to us. You may be watching us. You may just be following along online. However you're finding us, we are so glad you're here. And we are so glad to introduce you to today's guest because it's going to be a fantastic conversation. Yes, a whole lot of information is going to be shared today. So get your pens and paper and get ready. We've welcomed... There's no test. There is no... Oh, there might be. Uh, (laughs) We're welcoming to the show with us today, Corey Hunter. And Corey, I actually met while she was doing someone else's podcast. And I thought to myself, I like instantly messaged Jenna and I was like, we need to have Corey on our podcast. She is a wealth of information. So speaking of your wealth of information, Corey, (laughs) how about you start things off by telling us about you? Certainly. Well, um, my name is Corey. Um, I'm an instructor at Eastern College. I teach the Child and Youth Care with Addictions Practitioner Program, which I absolutely love doing. I was doing it in Fredericton for a bit before I transferred down to Moncton. Um, And along with that, I actually do a lot of gender equity advocacy work. So I go around and I talk about the LGBTQ community. um, And I do have a special niche where I I talk exclusively about the transgender community as well. Um, Being a transgender individual myself, I've had a very complicated journey, I guess you could say, Um, kind of arriving at who I am today and who I want to be in the world and being very comfortable and self-assured with that. Um, So I've been traveling around for about 15 years now, and uh, I've received several different awards, and I've had a lot of different opportunities to go to different communities around the Maritimes, to schools, government, um, different government branches, agencies, private businesses. Uh, Some of my youngest audiences were grade one and grade two students, which was a very exciting opportunity. Um, So it's been really, really great to be able to connect to different communities, get to know them, um, and be able to share my story as well as information behind it, because I'm a big believer that a lot of times ignorance is not a choice. It's just a lack of exposure. So we need to have a conversation. (laughs) I think that's so important, that idea that, yes, like ignorance is is just that a lot of times, that it's just a lack of any knowledge and a lack of understanding or a lack of having ever been in the situation to use you know, to, to find out what words to use, how to say things, how to approach a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm so excited about today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And um, I'm also really excited because I've been putting a little bit of extra effort into this. So up until now, I've been doing a lot of uh, live audiences, so a lot of different uh, public opportunities um, with speeches and public events. And as I alluded to, different post-secondary, middle school, high school, and elementary school um, grades as well. But I'm actually launching at the end of this uh, month a new website, and it's going to be featuring different webinars and as well as different videos and speeches and speaker series as well. Um, There's going to be contact information to kind of increase some of the traffic flow to get out and have some of these conversations in the community. So I'm trying to reach a few new platforms, which I'm excited to talk about too, um, because the world is a changing place, but we still got to get the message out. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I loved um, in the podcast that I heard you on and something that we are with our podcast is very parent-based. And you talked about how spectacular of a mother you have. Your mom has been extremely supportive uh, through your entire journey, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's something that I, I talk about in probably almost every presentation that I do. Um, and the reason is, is because I talk about social support networks. It's really important for people not to feel alone. A lot of times we look out to other people. We want to find people that we have commonalities with or um, that we see that are successful. And we want to see those successes in ourselves. We want to build a strong network. Um, and it's hard to do that if you don't feel like you have some love or somebody in your corner that you can fall back on that really cares about you. And when I think through my life, the one person who is very, well, they've just consistently always been there has been my mom. And uh, my mother, being of an older generation, of course, um, didn't grow up with a lot of exposure to the LGBTQ community. So when I came out as gay in high school and later in my life I came out as transgender, you might expect uh, these to be very shocking things. And the reason why I love to talk about her is because for her, they were shocking, but it wasn't all about her. A lot of times people, they tend to cry and their emotions become almost paramount to the person who is coming out to them, who's trying to open up to them. And that can be really off-putting. It really sets the stage in, a, in the wrong way, basically. It's supposed to be about the person who's looking to open up, who's looking to talk and connect. Um, and when our emotions overshadow, it's not anymore. We take their spotlight. Um, but every time I opened up to my mom and I came out to her, it was a very plain and simple response that I would get. She might not understand it, but... I'm here for you. When I told her I was transgender, one of the first comments out of her mouth was that it was time for us to go shopping because we had a business casual dress code at work and I was going to need some nice dresses to wear to work. I love that so much. Yeah. It's unconditional <laughs> love, right? There was no judgment. There was no change in attitude. There was no change in any of that. She didn't fully understand it yet, but she was willing to learn it and she was willing to be in my corner through it and she was willing to support me through what I needed to do to be myself. Unreal. That's that's exactly I'm, what I'm, like, I I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's so fantastic because I think that's that's so important, especially for like we said, our audience, our parents, for us as parents to hear is that that's really all it takes is to be open and to just let the let your child come to you, let your child say what they need to, and then go off and figure out whatever you need to figure out about it, <laughs> right? It, that, that Not to put that part on mm -hmm. your family. Like, that that's your part to and deal with. And my mom has become really big on educating herself. Like, the other day, we were talking about a few different things. And um, another thing that I do talk about from time to time are eating disorders. I've had a bit of a struggle with that, and that's something that has, you know, been a bit of a byproduct to some of my own self-doubt and some of my own struggles throughout my life. Um, and so I was talking to my mom about it, and we were having a really constructive conversation, and she was pulling out all of the these articles that she had read and she was talking about different things and you know she's really learned about how easily accessible a lot of this information is so I find her branching out and trying to find different topics so that when we sit down and we talk she's informed and whether the, she has all the answers or all the information it doesn't really matter to me it's the fact that she takes the time and she puts out the effort to care about what I care about to learn about what I want her to learn about it means a lot Absolutely. It means a lot, for sure. And with you starting your new website, this is be way more easily accessible yes. for parents yes. to find. So once you get that up, you'll have to let us oh, know. Yes. Yeah, we'll be sharing that. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to yeah. say, so you alluded to the fact that some of your conversations, some of the talks you've done now have been with young elementary school students. And I think a lot of our audience is probably children that age or slightly older. Um, I know certainly that's where our kids fall. Mm -hmm. And so... What a, 
what is it that you say to those kids and to those kids' parents? People get so nervous about that idea too, I'll be honest. And you might even be, you might even feel the same, I don't know, but you some people- like, How do I get you to come meet my kids? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good response. <laughs> um, a lot of people get nervous because they think, why are we talking to our kids about gender? Um, why are we talking to our kids about sexuality? Why are we talking to our kids about this? They're so young, they're so little. Um, and the truth is we start learning from the world around us at a very young age. We learn what it is to be a boy, what it is to be a girl, what the world seems to find is acceptable around us. And we learn it from a really young age. Um, it's somewhere around three to five or so, I believe, that we, we tend to develop our understanding of the norms around gender. So when I go to talk to these younger groups, it's not about talking about the in-depth um, ins and outs of sexuality and attraction and, and giving them the quote-unquote sex talk. It's basically about educating them around the fact that, you know, gender is a social construction. Boys don't always have to wear blue. Girls don't always have to wear pink. You can wear the colors that you like to wear, and it doesn't mean you're less of a boy. It doesn't mean you're less of a girl. Um, when we see um, what it is to be a man or what it is to be a woman in other cultures or in other times, we see that it varies from what we see right here in Eastern Canada. And that's what kind of proves to us that, you know what, this is a social construction. And our world around us reinforces it. We walk into a shoe store and we see a men's department and we see a women's department telling us what men's shoes look like and what women's shoes look like. They're not sorted by size. So right away, we can see that we have a whole infrastructure. And I can't go in and talk to an elementary school student. Um, and, you know, with all of these big words and all of this kind of thing, it's, it's going to be very confusing to them. And I don't want to talk to them about attraction and sexuality too much in depth because, again, that's something that's going to come a little bit later in their life. So when I go and I approach these kids, I want them to just kind of understand that, you know, well, what are the rules and why, like, who said that boys had to wear blue? who said the girls had to wear pink? Why do we make these rules? And we usually, we like to pick them apart. We ask them, I ask them what the rules are. And then we kind of try to pick them apart. There's a, a lovely educator, her name is Batya Greenwald. She has a video on YouTube. And she talks about actually doing that exercise with her kindergarten class. And it's really interesting how all of the different members of the kindergarten class realize that, well, boys are supposed to wear blue, girls wear pink, boys like superheroes, girls like to dance and they wear crowns and dresses. And they very quickly had a set of rules. But then all of a sudden they started realizing, oh, but she likes to play soccer. And but he likes to wear purple. And wait a minute, yeah. these rules don't make any sense. Um, so when we start to actually have an active conversation with them with their language, not big words, just everyday language, it makes sense to them. On top of that, I talk to them about respect. I just want them to understand fundamentally that there are going to be a lot of different people out there in the world. Not every boy looks like what you might expect a boy to look like. Not every girl looks like what you might expect a girl to look like. And we need to be respectful because not everybody is going to be what you expect. We have a world around us that dictates what men are supposed to be, what women are supposed to be, that almost expect us to be heterosexual. It's called a heteronormative expectation. We expect you to be straight, basically, until you tell us otherwise. <laughs> right, right. Um, and a lot of our world is built around a binary, cisgendered world, which means we assume people's gender identity are going to match up with their biological sex. So it's very important for us to have washrooms, for example, identified as men's and women's. Well, why is that? The common denominator is not our gender. The common denominator is the biological function of the washroom. So as long as we're utilizing it for that purpose and we're washing our hands and we're this, that, and the other, why do we need to signal our gender before we go in? And what about all the people who don't fit under the male or the female category? 
What about non-binary individuals who identify with a bit of both or with neither of our gender social constructions? So when we have a men's and a women's washroom, where do they go? How do they feel like it's inclusive? So the bottom line message for these small kids is just about being understanding that there's going to be different people. We don't want to judge people on the way they look. How would you feel if people judged you on how you look? Um, I find when I turn things around and make them relatable to a smaller child, it makes it a lot easier. Um, if I can talk to them about, you know, has anybody here ever been bullied or had somebody make fun of them? It's not a very good feeling. So when we use words like this or when we talk like this, that can make other people feel that way too. Sometimes it's harder for small children to really, truly empathize. It's a skill they're working on. They're small kids. Yeah, we get that. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's there. I think we're all working on that yeah. skill our whole lives. Right? Absolutely. I think we're, we're all constantly, hopefully, constantly mm -hmm. evolving in how much we can empathize the more that we understand Dif the differences that we all have, right? I think, especially our generation, right? We're, yes. we're that kind of cusp generation, right? Of where, like growing up, I don't remember anyone that I grew up with talking openly about being gay, being transgender, anything along those lines. And yet I know now that friends of mine were dealing with that. And I would like to think I was very open to hearing about it. And I think as adults, we've become those people that we now wish we had been. Yeah. <laughs> but We're we just didn't know because not, yes. because not it wasn't out there enough for us to be like, oh, yeah, no, of course you can talk to me. Yeah. Right. It, it wasn't. Yeah. So I think it's it, it's very different, I think, for us than it was for our parents or, you know, and, and when I think about it in terms of like our kids, you know, because we do try to have these conversations. Our, our children are eight and about to be seven. And we have that, like, well, no, you can, you know, you don't have to get your clothes from the girls' department right. or the boys' department. It's clothes. If you like the clothes, wear the clothes. And, you know, my, my kids have extended family members and friends who have, you know, gone through the process. They're, they're transitioning. They're, you know, wearing things that do not meet gender norms. And sometimes the kids question, we're like, yep, that's what they wear. That's yes. who they are. Yes. That's their name. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. No. And yeah. I think it's great because as we have these conversations, we see the world change. I'm, I'm from a very small town. I grew up in Amherst, Nova Scotia, not too far away. Um, and when I was growing up, I knew the definition of transgender, but I didn't understand what that actually meant. I didn't understand um, that people could live and dress as a gender that was different than their biological sex. I didn't understand that there was hormone replacement therapy or that there was different surgical options that some people go through these and some people don't. There's all sorts of different journeys and paths. And as I educated myself on that, it became very relatable. But when I look at Amherst now, that's not the case for kids. I went to an elementary school there, and there was a, uh, there was a student in grade two who was living as their gender identity. It did not align with their biological sex, but their teachers, their classmates, their parents were supporting them. They were calling them by an appropriate name, by the proper pronouns. And um, this was back in 2017. And it was the same year we had our very first pride parade. And I asked her how she felt about the parade. And her words were that she felt safe and proud mm. to be a girl in Amherst. From a girl that just completed grade two, wow. who's transgender. And I could have never been that grade two girl because I didn't have the information. Right. But by having the conversation and helping children understand gender and helping them understand, you know, that we can just be respectful towards other people. Not everybody has to fit in a little tiny box. People are going to look different. 
They're going to sound different. They're going to dress different. They're going to talk different. Not every family has mom, dad, two kids, and a dog and a cat. Some have two moms and ten cats. Some have, you know, <laughs> yeah, some yeah. Have, there's all sorts of variations. We have single parents. We have different partnerships. Um, and each one of those family structures are just as valued. Um, when I go and I do education with educators, one of the big things that I encourage them to do is to use diverse ex, um, diverse examples and diverse analogies. Because as educators, we sometimes fall in a little pitfall where we're making our curriculum and we think about the masses. We think about, you know, most people. So how many of our examples are talking about mom and dad or their kids? And so what kind of expectation are we setting for the kids in the classroom? We're teaching them that there's meant to be or there should be or it's proper to have mom and dad and your kids. And that's not what a lot of our family structures look like. So a big thing that I do with the older um, audiences is challenge the language that we use, the little things that we do to make it more inclusive because that sets a stage for a lot of our younger people and how they're going to perceive things. And when it comes to the younger generations, it's all about respect and understanding that there's going to be diversity. We don't all fit in a box and we have to care. So if you were a parent who is or potentially thinking that they have a child that needs to transition or vice versa, I suppose, maybe they don't need to transition but need help coming out or whatever, what are some suggestions that you would have for parents to, because I think a lot of parents probably in their hearts know it before their kids actually say it. So what are some ways that a parent could make that a lot smoother for a child? Well, I think one of the big things you can do is educate yourself. Um, learn what's appropriate, learn about the language that people are using today and get to understand the culture a little bit on your own. Um, earlier in the conversation, you alluded to parents not putting that educational process on the kids, right? Um, and that's a little bit about what that's, you know, that kind of is, is doing your own research and making sure that you're prepared to have a conversation. And then, of course, the second part is have a conversation with your kid. <laughs> um, uh, you know, sometimes conversations don't need to be direct. They don't need to be intimidating. They don't need to be pointing the finger. You don't need to sit down and say, hey, you know, I noticed you like to wear these clothes and I was reading this article and I was thinking, have you ever considered hormone replacement therapy, little Bobby? Um, you know, you really, we don't need to take that kind of approach, but right. we can sit down as caregivers, as parents, as aunts, uncles, grandparents, and we can say, you know what? I read a really interesting article today. I had no idea that transgender was an umbrella term and that there are all of these different kinds of identity for ways that people, you know, identities that describe different gender expressions and different attractions. You know, were you aware about this? Did you know about this? And have a, just have a conversation. Make it normal. Make it comfortable. Make it okay for us to not fit in that little box. Because when it's okay to not be a cisgendered, heterosexual person that fits within our society's expectations of what it is to be a boy, what it is to be a girl, it's a lot easier to have that conversation and say, hey, I think I might be a little bit different than most people expect me to be. Can we talk about that? A lot of times when people come out, they're uncertain. They're very doubting, and um, they may be very self-conscious. Mm -hmm. So if they have an opening and a welcoming and an understanding environment to open up to, it's going to help them open up in that conversation. It's going to help them have it. Wonderful. You talked a little bit about the fact that you've been sharing your story and trying to help, you know, broaden education for everyone for 15 years now. Yes. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, we've taught, we've touched on, you know, there's been a big shift in those 15 years. Mm -hmm. 
But looking ahead, what what do you see in the future for how these conversations are going? Well, I think it's wonderful because the conversations are evolving all the time. Uh, 15 years ago when I started talking about this, it was very basic. It was identifying the fact that, you know what, not everybody is a heterosexual we have people who are bisexual and it's actually a real thing it's not a myth um we also have people who are all of these other identities and it was basically bringing to light the fact that not everybody is cisgendered heterosexual etc um on top of that a big part of the conversation is what is homophobia and what is transphobia so when people are being discriminated against actively like what does that look like and how can we make sure that we're not doing it but now 15 years later the conversations that we're having are about how gender is a social construction. Where does that come from? How can we understand that better? How can we empower future generations in order to not have the same barriers that we've had with homophobia and transphobia? So we're not just putting a little Band-Aid on there anymore by identifying our problems and asking people to help and support, which we need to do at first. Absolutely. It's like a triage, I guess. Uh, but now we're at the point where the crisis is over, the wound is bandaged a little bit, but it's not all fixed, it's not all perfect. But now we can start to do some proactive medicine, right? We can start looking at our upcoming generations. We can give them better understandings, better tools. We can make things more accessible and more visible to them and we can normalize things differently than they were previously for us. I think that that's fantastic. And you're right. Mm -hmm. it, that was such a good analogy. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Um, before we go, because we are running out of time. Um, so fast. I know it goes so fast. It goes so fast. I want to know if you had one piece of advice for someone, mm -hmm. what would it be? Well, I'm, I'm a big believer. There's one quote in particular. It's um, actually a paraphrase of Mahatma Gandhi, but it's be the change you want to see in the world. I'm a full believer in that. Um, when you embody your own values, your own morals, and the types of things that you want to see out there in the world, it sets a stage. It sets an example. People learn from observation. They learn from taking that in. Um, and it inspires people too. So when I go out and I be my most authentic self and I be self-assured and I try my best to feel like a successful individual that is spreading positivity, I find that other people want to do the same. So we don't want to just talk about these things and have a conversation about being open-minded, about educating. We actually want to be that change. We want to have those conversations. We want to educate ourselves. Perfect. I love that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> love that. I feel like you need like that whole quote, just like that, that paragraph you've just shared. <laughs> could somebody this, make this a meme? Life. Yes. <laughs> We have that power. I think we could do that. <laughs> we could totally make that happen. <laughs> thank you so much yes, for coming in. Thank you. Thank you so much for today. having me. It's been a pleasure to come oh, in today. Absolutely. <laughs> so fantastic. And I can't wait for your website. And we will definitely share that information yes, with everyone. Keep you posted. When it's available. There's going to be uh, training webinars on there. There's also going to be um, regular video podcasts that I'm going to be doing as well on different topics. Um, and there's, like I said, there's going to be contact information to reach out. So any of these personal speeches or customized webinars or customized presentations people will have more access so I'd love to keep you posted on Excellent. that and thank you for having me on to talk about it all today <laughs> absolutely big changes coming so um, thank you for listening thank you for watching thank if you're you. watching thank you for listening and uh, don't forget to subscribe to our show leave us a review yes yeah we're here every Friday we have a new episode on the podcast audio version every Monday night you can see the new episode on Rogers you can see us uh, every day of the week pretty much on Rogers you can yeah, find us anytime on online pickleplanetmoncton.com all, all we are everywhere. <laughs> we are everywhere and uh yeah you can find all our past episodes as well on the website that's right absolutely thanks everyone see you again soon bye <laughs>